Welcome to Old School. A very exciting Old School tonight. I'm Mark Thompson. The guy in the middle is Ben Glebe, the man who is not only funny, not only piercingly accurate with his takes when it comes to politics, but he did run for president. Uh, more on that perhaps a little bit later, but he's just the best and a great guy to hang out with. And from a super secret location, uh, it is uh, America's favorite, Ben Mankiewicz. Yeah. So it's a couple of Bens and Mark. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm in. Uh, I, I can. I can. I can tell the. Uh, uh, I can give you the area uh, where I. Okay. If not okay. The town. I'm in the. I'm in the. I'm in the Poconos. This is. Uh, and and not uh, 150 yards from where I am, is a place that was very much uh, like Dirty Dancing. Was for years the inn here in this town, and that everybody. Yeah, it was. It was until. And then in the 90s, you know, people stopped coming, and uh, and it eventually shuttered, and it has now been raised. And yesterday, on that uh, field there, um, uh, James Taylor's brother performed. <laughs> That's what you get wow. in the Poconos, baby. Living I didn't know any. I didn't know the Poconos still existed. I didn't know people still went there. I'm stunned to hear all of this. Yeah. Do they bill him as uh, as James Taylor's brother, or do they see is he called <laughs> Livingston Taylor? <laughs> no, I think James Taylor's brother is what they said. Hey, I could we could hear it from here. Is James yeah. Taylor's brother as melancholy as James Taylor is? I don't think I think I don't think that's possible. Yeah, probably so, not. Uh, um, How could a guy but, who had so much going for him? I mean, every you know uh, attractive uh, member of whatever sex he wanted to hook up with. In his case, it was the opposite sex. Uh, tremendous success in the recording industry. I mean, worshipped by you know at a time when you know now if he came out, his music wouldn't be charting. You know because it would be so specific that folk music probably wouldn't do. But at the time he um, he exploded. How can you get melancholy through all of that? It's a sad comment on the human psyche. Well, know? but also didn't they kill his girlfriend in that plane crash? Oh, I didn't know that. I think that's what fire and rain is all about. Is no, no. I thought fire and rain is where she uh, he was in love with. Uh, oh, I see. You're saying when uh, uh, th- that's what that's a reference to. God, yeah, I've seen flying machines and pieces on the ground. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't listen to lyrics, so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think Fire and Rain is about, uh, I hear it, I think it's about Warren Beatty. You think it's what? <laughs> I'm plugging in. It was a, uh, it was a Carly Simon joke. Um, the, uh, uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, you know, the, the truthful answer to that, of course, is that uh, his melancholy uh, predated his success. He's got it in him. You know, right? What are yeah, you going to do? It doesn't. Uh, it does. Plus, it he's been bald since success. he was a young boy. He was always that's right. bald. That's, that's crippling. <laughs> um, yeah. No one can bounce back from that. Very thinning hair from day one. I don't know why people <laughs> make such a fuss if they go bald. What's the big deal? You have hair. You don't have hair. Oh yeah, listen to that, Ben, who's got the best hair on television. And that's the other thing, you know, oh, Ben Glebe. You still have. Yeah. You still have your humble Ben Glebe, and that's a great thing. Ben Mankiewicz, he's having trouble hanging on to the humble because it's all just coming for him. Life is just hitting for him so big time. Mm-hmm. He did a, yeah, that's right. a, first of all, he's like the the toast of that whole older Hollywood set. You know, I'm talking about the Mel Brooks's, the Elliot Goulds, the Peter Bogdanovich's of the world, that Peter's passed away, of course, but, and so on. Those are the ones that come to mind. They all just love it. Warren Beatty. These are well, all that's people who you just, want. That's who you yeah. want on your, on your side is the older, Partly dead uh, demographic. 
<laughs> that's who you want supporting you. That's where the dollars are. Yeah, that's the demo that all the TV networks are, are they're just dying for, right? <laughs> well, everybody's yeah, a lot scrambling. Of talk about men, hold on, Mark, a lot of talk about men 25 to 49, right? It, it's really, it's men 75 to 99 that hmm. I find that that's really, especially the cable networks, that's what they covet. <laughs> Those guys, they got disposable income. They have a limited amount of time to spend it. That's what advertisers want. Well, you know, you can make fun, Ben, but you know, your uh, channel, uh, one of them, you have many, uh, that Turner Classic Movies have an older demographic, but those are people who are still vital. There's still a lot of, you know, a lot of- You were making fun. I love the people who love us. I'm, uh, you're right, they are. The I wasn't making fun. I was I, actually I was actually speaking uh, out of envy. I'm not kidding. Um, no, there. Uh, it's uh, it's great. I mean, you just uh, you you get to li live a life when I am able to spend time with some of those people, where you just hear one great story after another. Now, um, when you said one great story after another, did you mean <laughs> to flick off the camera under your glasses? Did anybody notice that? Yeah, I've heard that story before. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would you share one great story with us? You don't have to do the of another. Just the one great story. I'll give what, you what's, one great story that. I'll yeah. give you one great story that I just heard. I heard from, uh, uh, you know, Warren Beatty was at the uh, uh, TCM Classic Film Festival, and so we uh, we we spent some time together, as we have on occasion. It's a little unfair. Warren was a a friend of my father's, so I mean, it's like I'm a uh, like he had no choice but to you know have some sort of bond with me. But anyway, it's not like we're close friends. I don't want to state that he has a lot of close friends. But anyway, so but he tells me that that. Uh, I don't know whether either of you guys is watching the offer on Paramount Plus Network about the making of The Godfather. I love that show. It, it's got uh, some flaws in it, but the guy who, Matthew Good, the English actor who's playing Robert Evans, everything he says just makes me laugh. Every word out of his head, like with Evans, every word makes me laugh. Um, and it's about the making of The Godfather, and some of it's not true, and some of the parts aren't perfectly cat. Well, la, la, la. I don't care about any of that. It gives you a great idea of how to make a movie. Right. I, I mean, the, the not how to make it, but what goes in, what a producer does, right? Whether all these things are actually what this producer did, I care less about. I care more about that it gives people a sense of, man, it's just every day is a crisis. And if you're good at it, you solve the crisis so that the director can get his thing done, right? Can create this magical little thing. But anyway, so. In the early days, I guess the Charlie Bluthorn from from Paramount, that what is known on the record, he bought the galleys. He bought the before publication to Mario Puzo's book, right? For some really low number, fifteen thousand, thirty thousand bucks, they get a hold of this property, and he sent it. Bluthorn did to to Warren Beatty and says like, "Hey, you want to make this move?" Um, this is according to Warren. I don't think I'm telling a story that is out of turn in any way, and uh, and they. Um, uh, and 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 but the actual galleys they're not even printed right like you can't even follow the chapters like the page doesn't have page 178 doesn't and it, it doesn't finish and it skips ahead and this chat and he's like this is Charlie, none of this makes any sense this is you, this is a waste of time if somebody wants to spend sixty thousand dollars to buy these rights take your forty five thousand dollar profit and go there's nothing <laughs> in this right and he's like and i can't be in it you know he's thinking do you want to play michael he said no i don't play michael like being like this is crazy. I have no interest in this. And and it's you know and and, and a, lot, a lot of guys get the the chance to get in on this, including Jack Nicholson and Warren Beatty and Jack Nicholson, of course, have been uh, a, a close friend for a very long time. 
So back in those days, they, they both have rejected it. They both say no. They both think this. nobody knows what's going to happen with this movie. It doesn't make any sense. And, and parts of the book are not in the movie. Long stretches of the marriage of, of uh, the sister are in the book that aren't in the movie, right? So anyway, then back in these days, days that I'm sure we all would have loved, movies would screen at people's houses early, right? So you didn't go to a sneak preview at a theater. You'd go to a sneak preview at you know, Walter Mirish's house, right? You'd go to these these guys and be like, yeah, I'm screening this uh, Godfather picture. It's coming out in the month. You know, and then you bring your friends there. It's 1972. And and I guess Hugh Hefner did that as well. Hefner, you know, has got obviously a reputation that that he helped mold himself, but he he also, um, you know, he was a thoughtful guy about a lot of things, and he would host some of these movies. Anyway, they everybody's all dressed up, and they're going to premiere, we'll see this movie, not a premiere, but a screening of this movie, and uh, at Hefner's house, and Nicholson and, and Warren are sitting next to each other, and they watch the movie, and they don't say a word to each other during this movie, right, right from the first frame. Right, and the movie opens so effectively, right, and uh, and then uh, the movie ends after two hours and like fifty minutes, and uh, and they just more and more, and they just turn and they stare at each other like this for like forty five seconds in complete silence until one of them just goes, "Oops." <laughs> so, yeah. 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 That's awesome. That's terrific. That's, yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's a great little story of like. Oh, that's really, really funny. Oh. I did not see. I did not see the offer, the 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 uh, dramatization of the making of. But I am looking forward to the dramatization of the making of Godfather Three called The Awful. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They did uh, get out over their skis, as they say, a little much on uh, Godfather franchise, right? Wouldn't you mm-hmm. agree with that? Ben? I do. I would, agree. I, mean, I, yeah. I, I would agree to. Uh, I think the the I think Coppola uh, fixed it very effectively, and I I think that whatever they just released the uh, the you know Godfather the 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 what I can do something of Michael Corleone I can't even remember what he named, um, but it's uh, it's been renamed and recut, and it's a pretty good movie. Oh, I didn't um, know that. And, I really didn't yeah. know that. Okay, and that was a recut of Godfather Three, or it was some kind yeah, of combination last, no, of the three. No, 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 just of Godfather Three. Uh, 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 last year, um, and it's uh, uh, very good. It's I good. It's, it's only nine minutes long, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Why am I so much paler than both of you guys? I need to adjust my lighting. You guys both look tan and orange, <laughs> and I look terrible and peaked. What's happening? To me? I think it's it great. It usually, it usually happens to me. I'm, I usually do this on my uh, laptop, and I'm doing it on my. Uh, on my iPad, and uh, I, I like it. Although I feel like I'm filling the screen. I don't. I guess you should be farther away from the from the screen with the iPad. I don't know. But every time I move a little, I feel like I just drift right out of frame. Yeah, that's how cameras work. <laughs> well, you know, uh, this is not like uh, I know you're used to dealing with these cinematic cinematic greats, uh, Ben uh, Mankiewicz, but mm-hmm. uh, this is a kind of a little sort of. Uh, a homegrown thing that we do on old school. I wouldn't sweat it so much, is what I'm saying. Okay. By the way, the Godfather Coda, the death of Michael Corleone. That's what Coppola reads. Ah. Okay. Um, and also, it, just for the rest of this hour or whatever we're doing, however much time we're doing, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, and then 40 on the on the members only. Uh, Mark, please feel free and refer to us as Glebe and Mank because every time well, you're saying Ben, I'm thoroughly confused. Like I made the point about how bad Godfather 3 was and you said, I mean, it really was awful. Don't you agree, Ben? And I said, yes, I do. 
No, I see. I just yeah. Well, that. I just noted, uh, just to kind of uh, pull back the curtain on my thinking, I just noted when I said, Ben, this last time, I noted uh, internally, don't do that again, say Mankiewicz and Glebe. <laughs> I can say Mank if that if you'd prefer that. But I, uh, but I, I made the note. Uh, but I, uh, you didn't. Uh, I didn't self-correct in time to beat your note. So sorry about that. No, that's quite all right. Also, no. I think you've you've more than made up for it by starting the show without headphones, and now suddenly you're wearing my first uh, Walkman Jog Sport headphones there with the classic Yeller. I like that. You know, uh, this is value. eBay. You know, I paid seventy nine ninety nine for these. These are really are uh, full fidelity. And uh, wow. no, but I didn't. Ben was telling the story, and I couldn't hear it very well. Mankiewicz was, uh-huh. and uh, and I thought I better, uh, you know, better headphone. So up. I, I have a question that cannot be interesting for Glebe. I guess I don't even do it if I say Ben. It's pretty clear who I'm referring <laughs> True. to. True. Uh, the uh, um, but I like. I always wanted to be a guy who had a bunch of friends who you referred to by their last names, right? I mean, I just I instantly like guys like that. Yeah. I'm way more yeah. So. Anyway, Glebe. So you said that Skype and and uh, at the beginning that we don't need headphones on uh, on Skype or uh, Zoom. Uh, Any, but that's new, right? There was a time when it was being recorded. There was some issue in the early goings where there was an advantage to wearing headphones. But I have noticed that I just don't anymore, and it doesn't make any difference. Yeah, there was in the beginning for the first like two months of the pandemic, and then you were able to ditch them. And so I was doing like virtual comedy shows with. Headphones, you could see them, and I would wear AirPods. I painted them black. The only thing I could use to make them look black, so you wouldn't see them as much, was Sharpies. And then turns out Sharpies do not stick on that finish, and so I would just get, I would get black markings (laughs) in my ear, and and definitely ink poisoning entering my system. (laughs) So none of that was ideal. So thankfully, they figured out the audio feedback situation, and now we can go feedback free in '93. You know. Yeah, I, I, this thing I got in my ear, I hate that I have a great microphone, the podcast microphone we use, but I, I can't, it won't work on the iPad. I, that one I haven't, uh, that one I haven't solved yet. So I'm I can help you with that off air. I can help you solve that. I've got all kinds of mic solutions. Well, I'll tell you right now, this mic is an incredible one. I don't know if you can see it here. This mic is looks like the classic podcasting mic, the Shure, but it's this new one, <laughs> pardon me, that has on the bottom on it controls and the bottom it's got you can plug in either directly with an XLR into an external board or it's got a little plug to go directly into a phone or an iPad. And wow. You know, like quality mic on one of those puppies. Is so. that a uh, is that a Sennheiser there, my friend? No, it's a sure. Oh, it is a sure. I thought it was a sure. I got I, I'm working with a Sennheiser. Is it a is it a Sennheiser? Are you sure? <laughs> I have a mic here also. I don't think you guys can see it. Um <laughs> wow. It's uh it is a Sennheiser. Um, you can. Did you just see come the, from a field shoot in the seventies. Yeah. Well, you can make fun, Ben. This mic has uh, I've made quite a quite a bit of uh, dinero on this because I do uh, my little uh, voiceover crap on this thing. This is the thing I record on. I thought you were about um, to say you put it where the sun don't shine. I mean, that is a long mic. That is a long. Yeah. Well, mic. it's uh, yeah. Uh, in any case, I have it here. If you need a, I just like holding mics up. And I like that That's I can nice. hold up the the longest mic. Man, um, yeah, hold up. Yeah. I like. Uh, Don't tempt me. I'd, I like uh, I like holding the mic. You know, I like this. This is a very comfortable. Like this just, just feels good. You know, yeah. it makes you feel like you decided to pursue stand-up comedy, which you always wish you had. <laughs> By the way, 
hundred percent true in every in every way. It makes me look like that, and that is true. <laughs> Mankiewicz, I think, has that natural command of the stage and comic timing. Well, I don't know what his material will be like, no, but he has uh, he has those. Uh, I think those natural uh, skills. I, I, I remember when uh, uh, playing cards, not the way Mark you play cards, but you know, with friends like that old game you used to play in sometimes. God, I miss playing cards. Yeah, that's um, fun. The uh, just friends and, uh, but I, I was really struck coming to LA, like because sometimes there'd be someone kind of famous, like a writer, uh, who would come to this game, who would be a friend of a friend or something, and it would be a guy who'd had some significant success. And I was, you know, I'd be told like, oh, this guy's written fill in the blank, and I think, oh wow, cool, right? That guy's really succeeded. That's you know, and I'm, we were all sort of hoping to succeed in some way, and you know, it's that weird thing in LA that you. You really, really cannot enjoy a friend's success, right? I mean, you you can in time, but you can certainly not at the moment that he tells you about it, right? You know, my my pilot got picked up. Well, that's great, right? Right? I mean, it's a it's such an LA thing, and I I and uh, the worst to me is the worst part about LA, but which I love. But anyway, so I uh, I was you know, and and it happened two or three times, and I, this guy would some guy would be there, two couple, I'm thinking of a couple of different guys, and they just weren't funny. Like they were just on, but yet they had succeeded. And it's not not knocking them in a sense. That's why I would never mention their names because I don't mean to be insulting. And I was like, I'm missing it. They've succeeded at something. Maybe they're not funny around a poker table, but they, they can do something that matters. But then the, the point is that then the next, like two weeks later, you'd, you'd get a guy and he was literally the funniest person I had ever met. Like I could never, I think he's a stand-up comedian. I'd think, well, this is why I didn't do this because I knew deep down I'm just not like this. This guy's magic. Like I remember when 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 the first time I met Ben Gleave, I'm sure he doesn't remember because you do so much of the stuff. You were on the Turks back at Current, and I did some like maybe it was maybe an old school. I don't know what show it was, but I was on some show with you for an hour, and I literally there was no. It's hard for me to breathe. I was laughing. Oh, thanks, so hard, man. Right, right, and I was like, "This guy is who's this guy? I never heard of you at that point. This was years and years ago." And I was like, "This guy's unbelievably funny. I God, I hope he succeeds." Right, <laughs> um, but that guy back then, those two couple of guys who come in there and they—they're nothing. They, nothing would happen. I don't like quite get it. Like, well, I mean, you also—yeah. I mean, Mank, you also know that you're not hanging out with the most famous people when your story starts with with, with the sentence. You know, occasionally you play cards with somebody kind of famous. A writer. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to seem like this was a really a big name game, right? <laughs> I mean, most of the time, Jen is by far the most famous person at that card game. Yeah. <laughs> I need to get a card game going again. I have a poker table. We should do it in my house. Oh, that'll so be fun. Right, I would love to. I mean, the I, I love playing. I don't like playing in competitive game. I mean, I like playing in competitive games, but I don't like playing against in strangers intimidating. That's why I can never do what you do, Mark. I can't sit at a table in Vegas. I will, but I'll just—I'll probably lose anyway. But I would definitely lose there. I just get—I get bullied every time. Whereas I kind of either I don't. You'd mind much rather bully friends. and take money from your friends. I got it. I would. I know. No, no, it's totally backwards. But I can't. At least I'm comfortable. Like I know I won't. You know, at least I'll be myself. I can lose 250 bucks, but I'll—I'll I'll be myself. I'm the because I've got a great false bravado that people that have not met me fall for. And so I can create an, a persona right. that's intimidating at a table. But my lifelong friends know every foible of mine. They know it's all. <laughs> yeah. I'm all yeah. full of crap, and they see right through my bluffs. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. They'll yeah, often yeah, tell right. the cards I got after I fold. They're like, 
That was a two seven off suit, wasn't it? <laughs> that's right. Runs yeah. me again. Yeah, that's right. Guys going all in with a nine high, but I'm pretty sure I got Ben beat. That, yeah. No, um, I mean, I definitely have a nine high the entire game because that's the only way I roll <laughs> pregame. I go, I go edibles myself, but as far as the cards, <laughs> probably a two seven. Um, I uh, the, uh, I, I uh, did edibles. Uh, Last month, sat in one of those uh, uh, friendly card games that we play all the time. A couple of writers, um, uh, you know, Carl, uh, Ben, you know, Carl Gottlieb, oh, yeah, sure, Jaws, sure, sure, and the yeah, Jerk yeah. with Steve Martin. Yeah. Um, Jaws, and, uh, by the way, just- No, I don't, but maybe Meg does. Let's get to Sorry. this. Um, uh, uh, the uh, Jaws and the Jerk is one of the great sort of, of his most noted movies that the same guy uh, wrote Jaws and the Jerk is a Quite great a range. little tidbit. Of, uh, Quite a range of, uh, that guy's Hollywood got. Hollywood writing history, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we traveled together uh, a couple of times on like these four day trips and we would uh, show up to like restaurants be waiting at a table or something and I would uh, always say, you know, Carl, uh, uh, this is Carl. If they were young enough, uh, I would mention Jaws, and if I couldn't get a reading on Jaws, uh, I got to try to get a positive hit on The Jerk. You know what I mean? And it, it was interesting to see the demographics that knew one one movie or the other. But uh, yeah, he's got a pretty good uh, a track record. Yeah, um, I mean, if you're trying to curry favor with people by introducing your writer friend who wrote Jaws and The Jerk, you could literally do it even when you're hanging out with other friends because no one knows what writers look like. <laughs> this is my friend right here. He wrote the Godfather trilogy. It's incredible. But you know what's but, but here's young, the thing. Isn't he? I, it's it's really because I'm so excited that Carl wrote those films. It's not I'm of not even no, trying I, to carry I, favor. I I want to tell everybody we run into. You know this know, guy, he wrote the J Jaws and the Jerk. That's why uh, uh, so Ben Ben Glebe the uh do it. You're the only other guy. I, I like um, doing it. It's better for branding for me. It is okay. So, believe when. So, I said this, this is about true about Mark Thompson. Mark, Mark, Mark uh, is a friend of my brother's, and I feel like I'm you know, sort of stealing him. And uh, and uh, I, Mark is like whenever my wife and I have people over, like I I say it every time. I'm like, well, we have to invite Mark um, because Mark and his girlfriend, but they're. Uh, they're the best uh, uh, party guests uh, there are because he is so enthusiastic about whatever it is the person who's talking. You know, I mean, they just I mean he won't be enthusiastic if it's terrible and stupid, right? But it just has to be kind of interesting. And Mark has got questions and excitement about it, right? And that's what and it's that enthusiasm that Mark has for things that he yes. cares about. That's why he's so that. So he really does. He's not like name dropping. He's like he wrote Jaws. Can't no, you it's true. The guy who wrote Jaws is right here. Have and he's got that Jaws? great. <laughs> he's got that great news reporter voice that makes it seem like you're being introduced <laughs> on the Oscars. He's like, this is incredible. We're here with Ben Mankiewicz. We know him from Turner Classic Movies. This is wonderful. I mean, you really feel like you're a pro when you just hang out with Mark Thompson. Yeah, that's really very nice. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, but I, I do have I, that's a I do have the legit uh, uh, enthusiasm about other people's stuff. I do like to hear about it. So, uh, but uh, I have a but, confession, Mark. Yeah, and I'm sorry, but this is so on topic. It might be worth discussing, so I'm willing to admit this, and I'm very sorry. But I, I'll preface it by saying you and I have not hung out lately. There's been a pandemic. And I was trying to have a pandemic friendly amount of people. But last night I had my birthday party here at my house. Oh my God. 
and I did not invite you, and you're usually invited, I'm very sorry. I pared the list down to about 50 people out of my 4,000 contacts. So usually you're in the top 150 <laughs> out of 4,000, just so you know. Just didn't make the top 50 this time. We have not seen each other. I kind of wanted to send a message to you a little bit, like please be closer, <laughs> keep that in mind. But I bring it up because it was just a wild, I'm barely awake right now. I woke up just a few hours ago. I had all kinds of substances coursing through my veins. I had to kick people out at 2.40 in the morning because I was trying to sleep after puking in my own bedroom and thought, let them keep partying. And then it was just too loud and I had to go and and, and kick people out of, of my own party, which felt terrible because I'm known for going till five, six in the morning. And uh, that's that really the whole story. Well, wait a minute, <laughs> but I must tell you that uh, the, last, uh, the last party at your home for your birthday was it was as though the, a Playboy Mansion party was being <laughs> held at a private home. It was unbelievable. It looked, it was like a reality show. It was incredible with the inflatable swans and yeah. uh, all these hot girls and hot guys and uh, funny people, people you knew, people you people you hadn't seen in forever. I mean, uh, you're a party uh, guy. I mean, meaning you throw a party, man. That was, I, I, I try. Remember, we left it like, I don't know, we might have left at 2.30 in the morning and it was, I feel like it hadn't peaked yet, you know? Yes, yes, yeah. that's how I try to do it. I mean, I work very hard. So when I do take a night to party, I try to go real hard on it. And I'll usually plan the party for two weeks and it's an enormous amount of details that go into it. And maybe the highest compliment I've ever been given is a few times people have told me that they consider me the great Gatsby of comedy. And I don't think there's any higher praise. I mean, yeah. he did end up dead in his own pool and I do have a pool. So that's not ideal, but up until the ending, pretty solid comparison. That's probably not the part they mean. I mean, can't really say for sure, yeah. but uh, also spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, oh, you well, throw great yeah. parties too, Mark. I, I do when I, but I haven't since COVID hit, haven't, haven't done anything. What was that last one? Was that pre COVID? Yeah, it was over uh, the old house. In fact, that whole neighborhood is burned. You know, you were there with the pool on the um, in the courtyard there when you walk in. It was kind of a cool yeah. little uh, throwback yeah. house and built in the 50s or whatever. Um, uh, it was an artist community that was built up in the hills. But anyway, uh, that house, um, yeah, sold it and fled because of the fire. The whole neighborhood was, but you know who was, uh, you'll appreciate this Ben Glebe. Uh, I think Ben Mankiewicz has been, this has been mentioned to him a couple of times in various uh, references to the old neighborhood. But right as we were leaving, about uh, two months before we had to leave, you know, because the the deal was closing, uh, Travis Scott bought the house two houses up from us. And it's a huge place. I think they wanted like it's all glass and 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 I, I saw them when they were building it. I used to walk through all the time. It's all glass and concrete. It's really stunning. Uh, but they wanted these very high numbers. It, it, I think it sold for like twenty five million dollars cash. He paid for it. Woo. But and I have to say this. You could fit uh, two of my houses into his foyer, okay? So it's not as though my house is comparable in any way. It just happened to be in the same general neighborhood. Uh, but uh, that neighborhood, he, he's slowly buying up all the property on the street. So that old house where we did that party is, uh, he bought another house and just, it had already burned to the ground. Instead of building a new house there, he's just putting a basketball court in. Okay, really? That. That right? Yes. So he's doing the thing. He's building the compound. He's creating the compound. Yeah. 
Yeah. Also, exactly. I think it's great that they give you in in this neighborhood of your old neighborhood two months notice before a fire. That's amazing. But no, before <laughs> before we closed on the house, uh, before yeah. we that's yeah. that's white that's white proof. That really is. <laughs> yeah. On the wire, the right. only other thing I'll tell you, Ben, about that house, Ben Glebe, because I think again, Ben Mankiewicz probably has heard this story, but I don't know. Act like you have it, Ben. Sure. Mankiewicz. Sure. Um, the day after the the neighborhood burned, and my house burned, but didn't burn down. The other uh, houses in the neighborhood, most of them burned down on that block. Uh, the uh, uh, I, I got in. Uh, uh, po police uh, were not letting people through through a connection with the law enforcement. I got in there, and as and I'm very emotional because you've been up all night watching the neighborhood burn, all this kind of thing. And I'm and choking thinking, back, thinking your thinking your house is going to burn down. Yeah, exactly. Every I mean, reason to believe you. It was just luck, weird luck that your house didn't. That's right. One Who side was your connections through law enforcement? Was it your friend that wrote Jaws and the Jerk? Was he? <laughs> <laughs> it was Officer Carl Gottlieb. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant so Gottlieb, we, yeah. We pull up to the street uh, and then up the street and in front of the house, in front of my home, there are four firefighters and they're wearing those yellow slickers, you know, that the, that they wear. and. There's ash on their face. It looked like a Vanity Fair photo shoot for firefighters. Unbelievable. Uh, just how, like, like you, if you were to cast it, it would be cast with these guys. And I love, I, by the way, I'm sorry to interrupt again, but I love that you're so Hollywood at this point in your life, Mark, that you consider real firemen when you see them like a photo shoot done by Vanity Fair of firemen. You don't have a concept exactly right. of firemen, how they look when they come from work. Wow, this must be a staged. Vanity Fair black and white spread happening. Yeah, yeah, Wait, is that right. my home? <laughs> you're right though, that's how jaded I've become. <laughs> but uh, it was perfect. I mean, I, you know, like one older grizzled guy, one younger like studly guy, then you know, anyway. And they've got the so ash there. Strippers? That was the, that's what I'm saying. If they were not real firefighters and just actors, I would believe that too. They were that perfect. So I'm up all night. Raw emotion, I'm choking back tears as I say to them, I can't thank you guys enough for what you've done to save this house and for your work here to try to save all of our homes. I'll never be able to repay this debt that I feel. And I'm I'm literally almost just bawling at this point. I'm so emotional. And he can see it. And he said, Sir, I have to stop you just to let you know. We just got here 15 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of took the uh, took the emotion the other way. But then he said, "But we're so glad that your house made it." You know. And they <laughs> said, "Now, if you don't mind stepping out of my light, I've got great <laughs> light here." But Mark, didn't didn't you see on your household cameras remotely firefighters watering your deck to keep flames from? Like, didn't you see them literally? Maybe not those same incredibly handsome firefighters. You didn't say <laughs> handsome, but we all know that. we all know you wanted to. Um, and, and that uh, didn't you see them saving your home? In the members only section later, that there will be handsome firefighters watering <laughs> not your deck. Mm, oh, nice. <laughs> Professional. I get it. There you go. I, That's right. Yeah. Uh, I saw on the security cameras uh, is what Mankiewicz is talking about. Uh, and it's really eerie because it's in black and white on the security cameras because it's nighttime. Maybe that's the reason. And oh my it, god, and it's it like almost like Vanity Fair got it's video like cameras Vanity. now. No, yeah, right. it's black and white, right? Um, and I saw <laughs> all of this um, 
the embers, the embers from the flames everywhere. There were tons of them, it looked like a snow globe. There were tons of embers all over the, the deck and you could see from the inside looking out, all of these embers just flying all over the outside. And, and I, I turned to my girlfriend, and I said, we're gonna lose the house tonight. There's just no way, you don't get embers like that unless you're, you know, the flames are right there. Uh, and then from a different security camera, yes, we could see the flames lapping at the at the front. And they, and they must have been beaten back by those guys, by those fire right. guys generically, men and women, I don't know who was on it. But anyway, the point is those fire lines did beat them back. I didn't actually see the, you know, ah. them, but you get the idea. It was, well, it was thank, brutal. It was thank brutal. God you got that weather report wrong. I got. <laughs> no doubt you're losing the house tonight. Mark Tuff yeah. reporting live. That, and that was a bad. Tonight. We'll be right back. <laughs> that was a bad forecast. That you're right about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh so you mentioned Travis Scott, who I looked up because I, I had a whole thing, like, I don't know, four, four weeks ago about Travis Scott. Somehow it came up and. And I was like, I was just like, I like Travis Scott because unlike other rappers, he's, he's, his name's Travis Scott. Like he's like wildly successful. He's buying, you know, he's clearly very talented. Um, and he's chosen the name Travis. He's going with his real name, right? And so I just looked it up for some reason. But it turns out that's his, that's his fake name. That's his fake <laughs> name. So What's his, his real name? Jacques Berman Webster. And then he chose Travis Scott, which sounds weird gets- because Jock Webster sounds like a pretty gangster name, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just, but, and so, so I went from like this thinking, I love Travis Scott. He's just using a regular name. Like that guy must have so much confidence in his <laughs> talent, right? Like, no, I'm good. I don't need a name. I'm Travis Scott. And then you look and you find out, oh, no, it's not. And then you think, well, wait a minute. He did pick a name and he just thought, no, I'm going to pick a worse name than my name. Extra confident. He's making yeah. it harder, even on an already hard name. That's but right, yet yeah, still Jacques. such a such a narcissistic celebrity that he buys one of those glass houses. I mean, they're already posting their whole lives constantly on social media. He's He's until recently, I guess, dating a Kardashian. And he's like, also when I live, let everybody peer into every moment of my <laughs> life and just see as you walk by exactly what's going down in my house. He had a gym that was as big as a Bally's fitness center. I mean, it really looked like a professional gym. I mean, an immense. And with all of yeah. like the, the latest equipment. Now the latest equipment, he hadn't purchased the house yet when I was seeing it, so they had staged it maybe, but it was immense. It was enormous. It was as, absolutely as big as my home, just the gym part of his house. Two yeah, of he, the it, photos it, on Wikipedia uh, um, <laughs> have him have him without a shirt on. So he's got a that's a thing he does. Takes his shirt off. He's apparently prepared to sing a song shirtless. Well, at least he's got a good out. body. Bert Kreischer, you guys seen how Bert Kreischer does stand up? He takes his shirt off at the beginning of every set. He's playing arenas now all around the world, and his body is worse than mine. It's not good. How do you, I want to look him up. How do you spell his name? B-E-R-T Kreischer, K-R-E-I-S-C-H-E-R, something like that. I'm sure the pictures coming up will be mostly him shirtless. Yeah, oh yeah, there he is. He's become one of the most popular comedians in the world. He's on the cover of Variety, speaking of. Yeah, no, he's he's got the body equivalent of of Travis Scott's confidence. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's obviously, he's like, no, I'm going to take my shirt off. It's going to be funny. 
and I, clearly it is. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben, are you Ben Glebe? Are you still doing uh, the game show, which I like so much? Idiot test. I am not still doing it, but it's still on the air. It's still on Game Show Network every Saturday and Sunday night, two-hour block each night. I think 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. or something, and um, it is still on Pluto TV. Uh, so you can stream it at your leisure. Half the episodes are up there. About 90 episodes are there um, on any streaming uh, device you have. You can just pull up Pluto. How many TV episodes did you do? 210. Wow. Yeah, Two hundred ten episodes. It was really. I thought that show was a lot of fun, and it, and it was kind of a like I love game shows. So for me, it was kind of a fun little. Big, the figuring out of it was cool too. Yeah, because most shows just test your trivia knowledge, and by its very nature, trivia knowledge is trivial. It's like random facts. It doesn't really show you how how good your brain works. And idiot test. We created eleven original brain teaser puzzles each episode. And they really tested how you think. You didn't really need knowledge. You just needed a, a sharp, high-functioning brain. And I got to help create all the tests on the show and go out there and make fun of people when they would get them wrong and call them idiots on national television. <laughs> and it's I was a, the great idiot because the show is still airing and I signed a contract where I get no residuals. So it's been on the yeah. air for many years since we stopped oh. making them. Netflix had it. I don't see a damn dime. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. I. Uh, we were uh, we started watching on uh, speaking of Netflix. Uh, my daughter liked it. We're watching a show. I don't like the cooking shows. I don't care. I don't like baking. I mean, I don't like. I, if I never had another piece of cake, I'd be okay. I miss pie a little, but I, hear that. I don't care. You know, I feel the same. And uh, um, I mean, I'd much rather have a sandwich than a piece of cake. Like it's yeah. not even. It's a ridiculous competition. So the. Uh, uh, that old sandwich or cake competition. That's a good show. That's very old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a very old school though question. It's funny that, that you is, should say you kind of like yeah. grazed yeah. up against something that feels <laughs> very totally. on brand for this kind of totally. uh, for this show. Totally. But there's a show called uh, Is It Cake? Oh yeah, um, it's a great show. Have you seen it? Uh, no, I've seen. What have I seen? I've seen like seven episodes since oh, yesterday. Fun. Uh, by Mikey Day is the host, and and yeah. uh, and and I'm I'm very hard as, as Mark probably is sometimes on hosts. I mean I'm, I'm oh on hosts. I'm, I thought those were yeah. a non sequitur. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Ben Gleave, everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's two. That's two. Yeah, two in like six minutes. Um, uh, <clears throat> one was wordplay, and the other one was just quickness. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> um, so. Uh, uh, this I, I can be tough on uh, on the hosts, and uh, because you know I, I like I like broadcasters, and so when I think somebody's really good at it, I, I I celebrate. I'm not, but and I so I think this Mikey Day guy I think he's good at it. Yeah. Um, but it's such a hard job because you have to say those words like 13 times a show. You have to keep saying, "Is it cake?" <laughs> and eventually, like you just can't. It just breeds, it, it, inevitably, it feels like the magic, he must feel like, God damn it, right? I mean, maybe the check is so good, but you just think, I got, all right, this is the time where I have to again say, is it cake, as yeah. if as if I'm really asking. But that's right? why you I know? think he's so clever with the way he hosts it. He, he did something very kind of similar, I think, to what I did in Idiot Test, is he just hosts it very sarcastically, a lot of it. Very. There's this air of like, I know how dumb of a premise it is, so that's to sell right, it, that's right. you that's have right. to that's make what he it silly. Is it cake? I mean, he really <laughs> Mark, if you don't know, this is a show that there's yeah. a bunch of things that look like things, 
and then you have to vote whether it's cake or not. And oh, I see. These cake makers can make cakes that look like anything, a desk, a chair, a taco. It's wild. Oh, that's and cool. You see them side by side next to the actual items and you guess it wrong most of the time. Where do I know him from though? I Saturday know his Live, he's current cast members. Oh, Night. that's it. Right, SNL. Okay, thank you. I was going to Yeah, yeah, yeah. they uh, yeah, cuz they had uh, they had a couple other cast members on there as uh, uh, as guests, but he um uh it's well, it, these artists they bring on to make this, these bakers who are artists. I mean, it's amazing what they do. I mean, that's what you're saying. It's like I mean, the last sh one show at, it was a bowling pin. So they roll out five bowling pins and Mm. Uh, they were they were all bowling pins. Like, you can't tell me that one of those. Is good. And they they don't let you investigate it closely. That's the key. They right. The judges are back like fifteen feet. Sure. Um, sure. But then this other guy, it was steak. It was raw meat in, in a wrapper. And one of them, the whole wrapper, the cellophane, edible, the cake, the bottom, the the styrofoam that the, the meat sits on, that was cake. And it's wow. Ridiculous. Yeah. So then they cut into it and they're like, no, that's meat. That's, and then is it cake? No, it's meat. And then finally they show you which one is cake. And as I sort of, I, I hate the show, right? But I, I was into it and my daughter loves it. And my wife likes it. So, but I don't know, man, it's, it is, it's addictive. And it's uh, such a stupid much like concept. Cake. Much like, much like cake. But these guys, it's amazing what these people can do. And then you start thinking like, God, there's just so many talented people out there in the world. And some yeah, of them are incredible. making cakes that look like bowling pins. Yeah. You see these talented. artists yeah. making cakes look like other things. And you think just, how how incredible it would be for them if they had dedicated their lives to making real art. <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> Could have been big. But that really is the, there's artistry in in so many things, gentlemen, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, no, like the person no, that made your, your, your headphones could have chosen a color that wouldn't be distracting during an emergency situation. But this <laughs> artist said, let's go bright yellow. No, you know, now I'm glad I didn't go to that birthday party and I wasn't <laughs> I really, it hurts Ben Mankiewicz to hear Ben Glee go after me like on the headphones. Uh, so Ben, are you on the road, Ben Glebe, uh, with uh, with comedy much or what's the situation? You had to go virtual for all that time. What's yeah. been going on in the last year or so? So this is the first year in 15 years other than the year and a half of lockdown that I've chosen to not go on the road and do a headlining tour around North America like I've done every year for 15. Um, I just decided to triple down on on digital um, and virtual shows. If, if if you don't know, Mark, during the pandemic, I created the world's first virtual comedy club. It's called Nowhere Comedy Club, and oh. it's uh, it kind of reinvented how touring could be. And we've done over 650 shows from up and comers to the biggest comics in the game: Bill Burr, Sarah Silverman, Mike Birbiglia, Todd Berry, Gilbert Gottfried, rest in peace. Uh, John Cleese and I do a show together called Cleese Gleave Me Alone with his daughter Camilla Cleese as well. <laughs> Very wild. And uh, we do these really fun shows and we most of them are remote, but we built a studio in the back of my house actually, the studio's right over there. Uh, and you're surrounded by 30 feet of video screens and your audience is unmuted, cameras on. So you see and hear them laughing and responding just like you would at a comedy venue surrounding you. And it has made it so you can tour without leaving your house. And instead of doing giving your all to one show in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, you're doing a show for anyone on earth that wants to buy a ticket. So it kind of sapped my motivation for going on the road and doing these little one-off shows everywhere else. I, I still will do it and I will probably be putting together a tour for late 2023 and the rest of 2024, probably, but not even for sure. 
I've just been enjoying doing virtual. I do a weekly improvised show called Gleeb Off the Top. It's now actually about every three weeks. And then I started doing uh, videos for Rebel HQ for the Young Turks. I do three videos a week and just doing a lot of my output creatively um, here from home. And then I'm just doing a lot of stand up uh, around town. I get up about three, four nights a week doing stand up. Oh, so in you LA. still, you'll still, you still will go in front of a old-fashioned live audience, but you're just driving in your car and then driving home. Yes, exactly right. It's a lot easier, does not pay nearly as well. So that's an issue I have to figure out. But um, it is nice because in LA, as a comic, you do sets practically for free. It's between $0 and $40, you know, really max for a set. You do it just as your gym, as your workout to develop material to go on the road and, and, and be able to sell real ticket prices and make real money. So that I got to figure out. But um, it's, but you're making money off this thing. I mean, I remember when you you were on oh, last yeah. time I did old school with you and Jack, and I sort of looked at the like you know you, you mean people are you, you got to buy tickets. Do you cap the number of of people who buy the tickets? No, it's it's a cap of a thousand per show or twenty five hundred for an arena style. Very few of our shows get anywhere near that. Like the Bill Burrs and Berbiglia sell that much, Sklar Brothers, but. You know, we'll we'll do shows. We sell 40, 50, 60 tickets, and that's a great night. And you can make a few hundred dollars and have a good show. That's so cool. It's just really. I think it's inspired. And then you see, and then the 30 people who you see, what they change? Like, is that does that rotate? Yeah, I mean, well, if it's as little as 30 or 40, you don't need to rotate. You can see 25 per screen, so you got up to 75 that you see at once. but then we can rotate it for the bigger shows. We can rotate the screens out and you can see all of your audience at different points or if you survey them or ask them a question. It oh, really changed. Not, I got you. And so, so I mean, the, the New York Times did a story on us towards the end of lockdowns as things are opening back up on us and the other competitor that emerged called Rush Ticks. And it's about nowhere comedy and them. And it says, is live stream stand up here to stay? And that really is the big question. You know, I own this company now and it really, truly like changed what touring can be. We were called by, by the Interrobang, the number three innovator that changed comedy in 2020. But at the same time, comics are Luddites and comics are creatures of habit and like to go back to their old ways. And so as soon as the world opened back up, everybody's like, forget virtual. I'd much <laughs> rather go and do all my jokes for 40 people in Cedar Rapids on, 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 on Sunday night. And so I do six shows all in one town. And so it's been hard to convince people to come do virtual shows again now that they don't have to do it. But there are all these audiences that have never been serviced by live tours that get to see virtual shows from their home. People with disabilities, social anxiety, homebodies that just don't like leaving, people that can't afford a whole night out, can't get a babysitter. Or if you just live in a remote area where tours don't, acts don't tour to or rural areas, or your favorite actress isn't coming to your town that year and you have to wait maybe years to see them. This is the way to do it. So every sure. act in the world should at least do it once a year and give an, an opportunity for your hour to be seen by people um, who don't have a chance to see you anytime soon. But it's even cooler to create like a show you can improvise. Do so people do like chat shows, Q and A's? My Glee Buff the Top's a fully improvised show. I play characters with face filters and I interact with this virtual town of mad ones that that I'll be created and. And I can do the same show every week or two, and the same people come back over and over again and see a different show. So that works nicely too. Such a great, uh, it's a great idea for Such all those idea. reasons you just mentioned. I should also say this, you know, at this time of uh, not really post-COVID, but things have opened up, but there's still COVID anxiety or whatever it might be, and there's still a bunch of, you know, as you say, there might just be a scheduling conflict when, you know, any one of the people who you mentioned rolls through town. This is a great way to connect. I think it's 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 super clever. And you know, Thanks. something else. 
and I just was reminded of it as you ran down all of these things. I first met you, as I recall, I, did I? maybe this is wrong, but I remember seeing you and being so blown away at Kelly Carlin's house when you were riffing. It was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. I think at that time you were doing, uh, what was the real short, Vine, the Vine videos? Yeah. And you, uh, you know, so you have six seconds, however long Vine videos were, it was something ridiculously short. And it was six. Six. And, and you, Ben, I just, I literally, I'm, I'm just remembering this now. You were like some Vine ninja. You just had all of these ideas, and each one was distinctly different than the one before. And you were improving with other comics there in the kitchen. This all went down in the kitchen. And I remember just thinking, wow, it was almost like I had a physical sensation of, whoa. I mean, that's just, uh, I think you're insanely effing talented. I think that's a oh, great idea, you. and that's a breakthrough concept. So good for you. Thank you, brother. And that is the kind of excitement for somebody else's success that Mank was talking about earlier. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> wow. What no, I actually, from the heart, man. I, I really was I great. Think, uh, I, I, thought, I, just wrote, I, I actually think he was talking about me. I don't know. It's super awkward. <laughs> <man. I'm> sorry. <laughs> so here's what's going to happen. Nowherecomedyclub.com if you want to check out. The show. Oh, yeah. Nowherecomedyclub.com. Good. Um, we're going to leave everybody now for a short moment and then continue for members. Isn't that right? Uh, that's the idea. That's right. So, that's right. Uh, that's if not what want, I was told, but I'll stay. If you if you want to <laughs> become a member, it's tyt.com slash join. And um, that seems pretty straightforward and easy. So uh, any uh, <laughs> parting words uh, for those who are not members, aside from maybe you should become a member? Well, I just wanted to say maybe you should become a member. And if not, thanks for watching and being here with us. And also, I just noticed that Mank kind of looks like a happier Sean Penn. <laughs> No, I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely take that. Though not after another show that I suspect you guys haven't watched, uh, Gaslight, which is on Stars. I watch a lot of television. Now, uh, with is Sean, that a show Sean or are you gaslighting us? No, that is a, that's a show. <laughs> but is it cake? Is it me. cake? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is it a show? Yeah. Uh, Come on, everybody. Show. Is it a show? There's so many dumb premises. A show <laughs> guessing if it's a show would be amazing. <laughs> Right. That's, That's a great segment. I see that as a segment in another show. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Um, but anyway, real quick, Sean Penn plays uh, former Attorney General John Mitchell. And wow. uh, John Mitchell, not a handsome man. Uh, so turning sort of sexy Sean Penn into unsexy John Mitchell, but then have all the women in the show, namely Martha Mitchell, refer to him as if he was sexy. That was where I sort of felt like we were all being gaslit. But that said, also. <laughs> Also a show worth watching, I guess. In the members only show we'll do right after this, I will tell you the story of how I greatly embarrassed myself when I met Sean Penn. Uh, and I will tell the story of how Sean Penn tried to pick up my date one night when we were out to dinner. Oh, interesting, okay, good. So then maybe I'll, I'll it all goes up, full circle. I'll make up a Sean Penn story too. Okay, <laughs> thanks oh, everybody. And to those that are watching now, please follow me at Ben Gleave. I'm dropping a new standup clip every day of the weekday, every day of the week on my social media, new standup clip, crowd work, improv, all kinds of fun stuff. So oh, I should mention also, I'm on KGO radio every day. You can find KGO. us on iHeartRadio, KGO, across San Francisco and across the great uh, world that we call planet Earth. All right, bye uh, bye everybody. And you can, and you oh. can find me in the Poconos. <laughs> Playing poker with Warren Beatty's son. Yeah. And several people who wrote movies that will not get you a dinner table anywhere in Hollywood. We'll be right back. <laughs>
Welcome back. This is the members offering of old school. Mark Thompson here with Ben Glebe and Ben Mankiewicz. During the main show, you only get to see Ben Mankiewicz's background blurred from an undisclosed location in the members only section. You get to see the wall, you see the yard. That's right. This is uh, no, this is quite something behind me. I wanted to give people a little taste of the Poconos, and I think this says, <laughs> yeah. Nothing says Poconos more than people who decided to only put drapes on half of their window. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's we right. see that one more time. Uh, let's go, yeah. look at that. They decided, uh, to, let's just cover the bottom half. What's the, <laughs> what is the picture of Ben behind you? The, the oh, Ben Mankiewicz? Uh, looks like uh, one of those uh, vines that grows blueberries, a corn, and an apple. Oh, yeah, classic. Nothing still like life. art that makes you hungry that you can't eat. What a waste of fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh. I'll, I'll see you. Bye. I'm back. Uh, I don't know. Are you guys seeing a normal screen? I'm not seeing a normal screen. I did no, just I see only you. Mitch McConnell. I see yeah. only you, Ben Mankiewicz. I don't see Ben Glebe. Uh, I don't see, see me. No, I Nor see do I a, see myself. Uh, Asher, are we all here? Yep, no. everyone is present. You all look great. On all right. Well, we I all look great. Mark's just having an existential crisis over there. I don't see exactly. myself. I uh, that's uh, true. That was probably you're right. I buried the most important panicking uh, <laughs> side of this whole problem. But uh, I wish I could see you, Ben Glebe. Uh, not, I haven't seen him so long. It's not worth if it. If you've uh, if you've missed it and maybe you've joined us late, uh, Ben Mankiewicz is in some uh, as we've just talked about uh, location uh, in the Poconos Mountains. This is kind of this is sort of like where they put people who are in witness relocation. I, I'm not even kidding. They Put some of them up <laughs> in that area, Ben Mankiewicz. Uh, and Ben Glebe uncorked this whole world that I didn't even know he was part of, which essentially is a it's a virtual comedy offering with people joining from all over the world as audience members. It was really quite cool, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing it demoed by it's joining. Cool. What is the what is the website? NowhereComedyClub.com. And uh, there's not a ton of shows going on right now, like I said, but there are some up there you can get tickets to. And uh, it's an interesting one, Steve Hofstetter's hosting this week called Supercharge Your Brand, where you can learn about branding and how to take your brand to the next level. It's good for any anybody with a public presence. And then um, my next Glebe off the top is on July 23rd. So we got a little bit until then, but some fun shows in, in between as well. Um, Very it's, cool. It's, yeah, it's been cool. It's been cool. We're trying to figure it. But right now, we're open to submissions for anybody else that wants to do a show, whether they're a comedian or not, doing QA shows, talk shows, game shows, anything that you think would be fun to do on a recurring basis or even as a one off. Please feel free and hit me up in, in the DMs on Instagram and we will consider it. Yeah. Uh, like it. You want to like hear it. my Sean Penn story? I wanted, I was just about I to say, that, we, we, before we, we broke, we had, it seems like everybody's got a Sean Penn story. So, well, mm -hmm. well I'd also like to give us a little credit because, uh, you know, this was like, uh, I mean, it seems like every week is tumultuous uh, in America and devastating and tragic and sad and awful. And this, uh, the last few days have been no exception. Um, and uh, and yet uh, we plowed right through with them, I think, moderately entertaining 50 minutes without mentioning anything. So, you know, I think, right. uh, I think we- No, it's hard to almost, uh, it's yeah. hard to avoid uh, the, the iceberg that is uh, this, Supreme Court madness and the heist uh, by the right of uh, of the United States of America, but uh, right. 
But let's tell funny Sean Pensford. <laughs> look, look, I mean, I, I didn't think we were gonna bring it up, but if we're gonna bring it up, I mean, it's the elephant in, in the room. Yes, the Supreme Court just decided to slightly tweak Miranda rights this week. Let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it's uh, funny, I, uh, I, I do this radio show every day uh, uh, on KGO radio, which is in San Francisco, but people are streaming from all over. And, but but it's, it's primarily Bay Area. Uh, in terms of the uh, the radio audience, and somebody um, uh, texted in, uh, Mark, you only I call the Supreme Court, uh, you know, a radical activist court. And they said you only consider them radical and activist because you disagree with their decisions. And I thought, really? Can you? And I said, you really can say that? Let's look at what's happened over the last week. You know. Money to religious schools, the Miranda decision, the rollback of uh, the regulations on guns in New York, and Roe v. Wade. That's just in a week, okay? I didn't even include at that point because it hadn't happened yet the uh, kneeling coach who's doing prayer after the game. So I, I think it's fair to call them activists, you know? I, Especially. I there's, I mean, there's, there's two big indicators making very clear how it's objectively activist as well. No matter how you sit on the political spectrum, there's some empirical evidence here. One is that exactly two of the ones that you mentioned are just exact opposite opinions that just match a political ideology and don't match just a strict constructionist interpretation of the Constitution. One says, look, we, the states, don't have a right to decide on their own about guns and any infringement on whether you can have a, a open carry policy or, or sorry, a concealed carry policy. We need to have a federal law on that because Republicans are pro-gun. And the next day coming out with, this should be states' rights. The federal government doesn't have the ability to decide human rights. You don't get to yeah, have privacy as a woman. They're a complete opposite rationale for the same thing. And the second point was that even conservative Chief Justice John Roberts said as much when he voted to to uh, strike no, to uphold the Mississippi law, but said but they voted against overturning Roe, and he said he admonished his other conservative justices specifically for not showing judicial restraint. And said you could have easily upheld that law while not overturning Roe, and they did not need to do that. Calling them activists to their face. Yeah, that's right, and. Uh, um, I don't understand where Sean Penn enters the story, but I'm sure one of you guys will explain it to me. <laughs> oh, he does. Uh, uh, so, but we also, we've just bought into their way of talking as usual. I mean, they, and, and and again, I don't know, I guess, I don't know what causes it, decency, I suppose, that you sort of don't want to yell at somebody that that guy calls in. And I would have done exactly what you did, Mark. And he's like, you just, you know, activist score you want it, and you just don't want it. You don't like it when it goes against you. But like, the, the issue should never have been whether the court's activist or not. It should be about whether, I mean, to me, about whether we, you know, grow as a country, whether we progress, right? Whether we are literally progressive. Like, it didn't matter to me that those were just excuses to, uh, to, to hide the arguments when what we wanted to say all along, and we as liberals thought so too. Uh, no, I want you to only appoint judges who will expand voting rights and protect a woman's right to choose, right? That's all I want, that's what I want. I want them to believe that. I don't give yeah. a shit how they get there or what their construction is. 
that's what I want. These rights have now been earned. The court, the courts have upheld them. Roe for fifty years. Like no, this role, this state. And so, but we have this strict constructionist because they came up with a phrase, a tested phrase, right? Uh, activist court, strict constructionist. That's what the phrase that they chose and wanted. And then it doesn't suit them anymore. So now they just throw it back at you in a different way. No, I, that's your argument. You guys talked about strict constructionists. You called us an act. You called the 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 Warren Court an activist court, right? And you praised strict constructionists. That's your language. All of your guys' language. So uh, it's frustrating. I, yeah. I want. I, I I don't want to be. I don't want to call people hypocrites. I don't care whether people are hypocrites. I want them to do what's good for the most people. Always. Yeah, but I think we also do have to blame. The Democrats in power with this too, because we have like as though no one has seen this coming for 40 years. They don't just telegraph what their plans are to roll back our rights. They say it. They actively fight for it. They specifically put up justices that are going to roll back these rights. Uh, and well, it's the Democrats had that. chances it's to It's even worse than that, Ben Glebe. Clarence Thomas is on Joe Biden's watch. As far as I'm concerned, that was a uh, uh, that was a a, a hearing. Uh, it was a confirmation hearing in the case of Terrence Thomas that was uh, hijacked by Joe Biden. So we didn't hear enough of, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, the Republicans were the ones who were uh, really uh, uh, hijacking for the most part. But Joe Biden didn't was in control of that uh, confirmation hearing and didn't push back. You had Anita Hill, who was a perfectly credible witness and with corroborative witnesses that were kept out of the process by Joe Biden, by the committee, but he had control. He could have done a Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell. As you know, after Thomas was confirmed to the court, he showed you later how it's really done, partisan politics. We don't even give Barack Obama a chance to fill that seat. And we don't we don't even have a hearing on it, okay? There's not even a confirmation hearing and rejection. That only happened at the Supreme Court level. That was happening at the other uh, the federal judiciary level as well. So I see the blood of Clarence Thomas on the hands of the Democrats as well, dating all the way back to Joe Biden. I think so. Like, yeah, Ben. I, to be uh, uh, clear, yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm 100% with you. I just mean I'm frustrated by language separate from blame. But yes, sure, I, no, I, totally. I mean, no, there's no, there's no. Uh, I mean, the notion that we went around and allowed these judges, who we know, because of actual good fundamental reporting, that these judges are pushed and advocated, and that every Republican president, going back to Reagan has relied heavily or exclusively on the Federalist Society to promote their judges, right? Uh, and that these are the people who get nominated and we know how they feel about things. And then they have these meetings, these pretend meetings, right? And now Susan Collins, who I get it is not a Democrat, but you know, Joe Manchin said it too. Like these guys are like, well, I it turns out that Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett and uh, and the and Neil Gorsuch they lied to me. Yeah, they did. That's right. And and if you'd read a newspaper, right? And I mean, and you know, the Young Turks are uh, occasionally will, will will point out where where journalism has failed us. I, I think the Turks in general are too tough on journalism, or lead out the great journalism that is done. And that's one of them. We knew how these guys were going to vote. It was not surprising to anyone paying attention, anyone at any time. It was shocking when the opinion was released and to see it in writing. But of course, everyone at NARAL, everywhere had Planned Parenthood, they expected it, right? 
But no, we're 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 ill prepared. We didn't do anything about it, and we let that we let these show trials, these show conversations, go on and on and on and on, where they give pretend answers. Hillary Clinton, God bless her, said it quite well. I mean, maybe people didn't believe her, but she said it during the in 2016. I don't know that there'd been a candidate who said it before, which was no, no. I want a candidate who will. uh, who will uphold uh, Roe versus Wade and uh, and also uh, get money out of politics? Period. Those those decisions need the Roe versus to be upheld, and the other one needs to be overturned. What's the other one? What's the money out of politics? I can't believe I'm on the church and I can't remember. Um, but yeah, so that's what we should have done. Well, and now. Trump and Trump said uh, a version of that on the other side. He said, "I'll appoint justices who will." Uh, overturn Roe and who yeah. will defend your Second Amendment rights, and that they're doing exactly—I mean—and defend your Second Amendment rights. I mean, it was all you know, so. But why? Why do we ever allow a candidate to just say that the the you know? Well, it's settled law, and I'll judge a case on the merits. Hey, man, are you for it or against it? You, you, you're a federal judge who's up for a Supreme Court decision. You've read Roe, haven't you? Mm. Right? You've read Harry Blackwood's opinion, haven't you? What do you think, man? Like, why can't we ask? Well, well, that's because every yeah. hearing now they've just it's become accepted that they well, I don't answer on specific cases. Why? That's right. Why? That's right. It's the most right. important thing. Why? Exactly. It's the but it's that that's the kabuki theater part of it, you know, that everybody's got their little roles to play and it's all well choreographed. And that's why we're saying, you know, the one thing uh, I mean, honestly, is that you didn't have any control. If if the Republicans really have the Senate, they have the ability to, you know, c- confirm these justices or similarly hold back those confirmations in the case of Obama. But you know, uh, so so once you've lost that control, that's a that's a huge bit of control to lose. That's why I went back to Clarence Thomas because you had control of the Senate back then as the Democrats. So, but also, and also, I mean the. Clarence Thomas trial, let's not forget that's what scarred me from drinking Coke for about three decades. But <laughs> yeah. um, we're gonna bring it back up. He wants us to reconsider gay marriage and LGBTQ rights and whether contraception is legal. Let's revisit his sexual harassment accusations in full force too. And it's also ironic, the one he's not interested in revisiting is interracial marriage. Isn't that weird? He's married to a white woman, that one he's fine with. People are always for these Republicans are always for rolling back rights, except specifically when it affects them, like Dick Cheney being the most draconian dickhead guy on every issue, except when it came to gay marriage because he had a gay daughter. That one I'm very liberal on. It's just enough of this self-serving hypocrisies that are so beyond frustrating. But also the very premise, like you guys said, that anyone was surprised that they were lied to, that Collins or Manchin were lied to. First of all, before they were judges, they were lawyers. And anybody being surprised that a lawyer lied to you, first of all, is just incredibly naive. But then to be able to 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 actually not only see it coming for 40 years, but in an unprecedented way, actually the decision comes out for the first time ever, two months before the decision comes out. And still we're like, is it gonna happen? Should we do anything? Should we get a plan? Should we mobilize? I mean, we know word for word what they're gonna be saying <laughs> to un to dismantle all of our rights, but let's just wait and march that day instead, huh? Should we just can you wait? Be- can you believe the leaked opinion turned out to be the opinion? Yeah. <laughs> what were the odds? I think Alito's the one who leaked it. I think he leaked it. Just to tamp down the anger and give it two months to like simmer, and so all the anger wouldn't come out at once. That's my opinion. It's my theory. 
interests me less than who leaked it. Like, <laughs> why do we care? Why do we pretend that that matters? Yeah. You know, Fox care. I mean, I know you're kidding. I got you. But I like, like, no, yeah, I don't know who leaked it. I don't, good for them. It's just, it's just all they, what did they leak? They leaked something that a justice to the Supreme Court wrote yeah. that's going to affect 150 million people. That's right. interesting. That and they like did it, and they did it presumably. If it's not Alito, they did it to give people warning. Here's two months heads up. Yeah, do right. something, and still nothing was done. So it doesn't even matter that it was leaked. Literally, it's just we just got two months more of negative news cycle. That's all we got. That's right. No, that's exactly right. And and to go to Mark's point about Joe Biden, God bless him. And I, I really, I am a big believer. And I don't think it makes any difference, but. You know, we vote because we like people. I think Joe Biden is clearly a likable guy and a really decent person, right? I don't, I don't doubt that for half a second, right? And that all of us, everyone, everyone would like him if spent time with him, right? But you know, he ran three terrible campaigns, president, until South Carolina, and until Jim Clyburn, the most powerful man in America. <laughs> Um, essentially gave him the presidency in a field with where no one emerged as a strong candidate, except briefly Kamala Harris, who then fumbled it in striking fashion. Um, and prior to those three terrible campaigns, and then obviously he won here. At the, he, the third one got better in the second half, but uh, starting again with South Carolina. But the other time that he was on the national stage was the Anita Hill hearing. He botched it. like. So we also shouldn't be surprised that forget his decency and his decency, I think, is unquestioned, right? He's just a, he has a, a, a kind, empathetic, empathetic heart. He's a good person, but he's bad at this job. Not yeah. Good at it. Well, I, I would not, also suggest he's not, that and he's not right for the time. And and we had an enormous amount of evidence that that was going to be the case. And and then what do you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, he, I mean, he's, he's I think in the case of Biden, it was any port in the storm, you know, at least most recently, but go back to, but back to- No, no, uh, yes, no question, I just mean- No, but like, back but, to Clarence Thomas and that situation yeah. that you just described, because it is the very thing that you mentioned, which I think led him to go along the wrong path there, which was a, a notion of reaching across the aisle. He didn't want to uh, rough up the competition yeah. too much. So as a result, he let That's Anita right. Hill get roughed, roughed up. As I say, deny the, uh, the the corroborative testimony that would have, I think, at least, I think it might have KO'd uh, Thomas, but Thomas could have easily been KO'd. Uh, anyway, I- I, yeah. I mean, I mean, then, you know, I mean, we know then some other, well, you're right. we would have gotten, yeah. we might've gotten lucky. No, we might've gotten the David Souter again, you know, you never know. I got another theory on the Supreme Court, by the way, that no one's interested in hearing, but I'll tell you this yeah. much. Yeah, bring it on. Um, I have a new theory. Clarence Thomas's wife, Ginny Thomas, the insurrectionist who tried as hard as she could to overthrow our democracy and overturn our election results. I think she has been writing Clarence Thomas's decisions for the length of his court stay. Because as you guys may know, Clarence Thomas has not spoken in court in 30 years. He asked yeah, he one did. question recently. Yeah, that's right, he, he spoke up finally. Uh, he spoke yeah, once. Literally yeah. hasn't said a thing in decades on the court, and then somehow goes home, comes back with perfectly written opinions. <laughs> How does that happen? It's, uh, it's, I love that movie. I'll tell you that. I love that movie. Yeah, and that's uh, 
I, I buy that. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I don't, there's nothing, there's nothing about Clarence Thomas that's good. There is nothing about Clarence Thomas that's good. He's Unreal. poisonous. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, uh well, so that, and, yeah. and here's something else just on that to, to this, to this moment in time, if I were the Democrats, I'd be calling for his resignation, not his impeachment, his resignation. Yeah. I would be yeah, hitting it right. over and over and over again, different, different, let different mouthpieces hit it and from different angles, his, his lack of recusal. I mean, uh, that's huge. You know, his corruption, yeah. the corruption of a Supreme Court justice. I would say it loud, I would scream it from the rooftops. You're not gonna yeah. get it, but you need to get that out into the media mix. That's right. what the right does so well. But then shouldn't we focus, see, but that I actually question because while I think it would be cathartic to do it and I think it would taint his image that he just clearly doesn't care about anyway, the guy doesn't even speak and came off a sexual harassment trial and he's like, whatever, I'll just be quiet and be a Supreme Court justice. Wouldn't it be better use of the energy to do two other things to make sure that we elect a sweep of Democrats, a slate of strong slate of Democrats so we at least get the two more Democratic senators we need so we can actually pass filibuster carve out so we can actually codify Roe, so we can reverse these gun things, do stronger gun reform legislation. And when it comes to the court, instead of futilely calling for him to resign, why don't we make a concerted push to expand the court and not well, call it pack the ben, court, not use their language. That you mentioned could never happen without congressional approval. You won't even get that for, you know, you couldn't even get that for uh, whatever, build back better. You're not gonna get it for expanding the court. You're not gonna get it for rolling back gun laws and you're not gonna get it for codifying Roe. And by the way, even if you codified Roe, the Supreme Court would rule it unconstitutional. They've just told you what their cards are that they're holding. So, uh, but so some of what you said, I, I would agree with, but uh, but some of those specifics, I would say, well, that that's just as that's just as big a waste of time as the screaming for his resignation. So, you know, what do you I, mean? But but so I, I I take your point that we can't expand the court first. But if we reverse the order and we focus on the election and getting at least two more senators, but ideally ten more Democratic senators, which is not insurmountable. I mean, during a time when rights are being ripped away and kids are being killed at school, you should think that would be as 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 perfect storm as, as you could get to to at least take positive action from such tragedy and get 10 more. And then you could do all of these things. You can codify it and then yes. And I mean- Where are the 10 gonna to come from, Ben? In these gerrymandered districts, I just don't see where you're gonna get them. I'm ready to look at the map, but I don't, I don't see it. Well, I mean, no. Obama had it briefly, Obama had 60. So like the, I, I think, I mean, in a sense, you're both right. I mean, there's no, there's no, I wouldn't lay off Jenny. What Mark is basically saying is, I wouldn't lay off Jenny Thompson, Clarence Thomas ever, right. ever. Like lay off. Lay, I mean, and, and and we can also attempt to. I mean, you know, I mean, the ship has already sailed on getting a slate of strong candidates. Uh, there are some. Um, they need money. They need support. Uh, we know the Democratic Party's uh, history uh, with when the candidate is uh, particularly progressive, right? That, uh, but if you get, but you know, they have, we have what appears to be a pretty progressive uh, Senate candidate in Pennsylvania. And by all accounts, you know, the party's going to be all in on him. I mean, he somehow also managed to F this up, but okay. Um, but I still would be thrilled if uh, John Fetterman were like, uh, that, you know, picks up a seat and it keeps Dr. Oz out of the Senate. So all these things. And yes, and then obviously we got to do away with filibuster. I, I, are we capable of it with 51 votes, 52 votes? I don't even know. I don't. We don't. You know, Jenk would say that that like on the minimum wage that it's all BS and that Build Back Better was all BS. That that other Democratic senators were thrilled 
I don't, I mean, I haven't read any substantive good reporting on it. I know Jenk thinks this, but um, so that uh, that other Democratic senators were thrilled that that Cinema and Mansion uh, uh, were the public faces of no, because then they didn't have to stop it. Right. Right. And they could pretend, but that there were that you know there were probably. You know, Jenk says none, but that's ridiculous. But that you know, maybe realistically, there are only forty-two or forty-three Democratic senators who were really for it, so it wasn't close. I don't know. I think that that would be pretty easy to have that reporting be out there, right? Sure. I, that, that, that's, so I don't believe which, it. Which is why I think the number you got to push for is ten, because I think it's the yeah, large, I, the smallest possibly realistic number. And then if you fall short. You maybe get eight, you maybe get six, you maybe get four, which is still more than the two. And you could still afford to lose two or four of them and still get some carve outs for some major issues. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. There's a, of course, uh, I mean, the fact is, you know, uh, 56 is, is significantly better than 54, right? I mean, everything matters because we know they're gonna, there are some weak ones uh, in there, but I don't even know how many we get where we could pass meaningful filibuster reform. And I mean, Filibusters made up. Like there doesn't have to be a filibuster at all for anything, you know. Right. Uh, now, granted, the filibuster has helped. It's been it's been on the side of justice. But I don't really. The interesting, you know, it's not about the filibuster. Nobody's in love with the filibuster. I, what we're in love with is justice, right? Like what's right? What's the right thing to do? Restricting voting rights is wrong. I don't care whether it's how you do it with the filibuster. If you need to stop the filibuster to get it, great, do it. But be on the right side, and 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 there aren't just flat out aren't enough Democrats on the right side, and the Democrats who are on the right side have a very weird about this. As Jenk is right, a very weird reticence, um, has hesitance to uh, to um, uh, to point out that there are Democrats who are on the wrong side. They just won't call out their colleagues in a meaningful way, and the Republicans. Well, they're just basically united, right? Yeah. And, uh, there, there are some outliers, and we're seeing some of them. But even the outliers, I and mean, even Kinzinger and and Cheney. I mean, these are. I mean, Liz Cheney was thrilled with the Roe decision, right? Shouldn't and voted that. and voted not to fund the emergency baby formula the day after. Right. Yeah, Liz Cheney calling out the corruption of the party. Yeah, yeah. So she's on the wrong side of everything. She's just right about Trump. You know, right. Um, this yeah, has become yeah. the the new. This is the through the looking glass litmus test of this age that we're in. That you know, I mean, literally yeah. this these last few years with Trump. You know, somehow the enemy of my enemy is my friend, and that's the case with these. Yeah, and I'm Republicans thrilled to have her. I'm thrilled to have her on this. I get it. Not, I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't want to. I'm I'm glad she's on our side for this, but like, she's not on the side of justice. She just isn't. And yeah. by the God, God bless the Cheney family, huh? Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned her, her father, who of course was had that one issue, gay marriage. I'm okay with that one. I mean, not Liz, right? When it was convenient to right. throw her sister under the bus for her own political career, she did that. Like, there's a lot of evidence. <laughs> She's not a very good person. Um, but uh, but God bless her, I guess. On this, it's just it's unbelievable. There's, just, there, there's way it's too much. To know. Yeah. There's way too much decorum on the on the Democratic side, and this is certainly true of the the, the Feinstein's of the world. Uh, you know, with the with the hugging of Lindsey Graham, I think was another. I understand that was just a a thing that she did at the end of that that horrible hearing, but it was for the. You know, I I, I, I see this default to decency somehow viewed as 
something that you should always strive for. And maybe there was a time when you always strive for it, but the other side isn't decent. And by now, I don't know what more evidence you needed, but this last week certainly should have given you, you know, another big slab of it. And I'm, unfortunately, I'm, it's too late. I'm a romantic about it, you know, because the, uh, you know, I, I don't know, it's the time I grew up with. We all romance nostalgia, but I mean, to every Republican friend I have, and I have some friends, they're all, I don't have any friends who are broke up, but um, uh, they're, you know, to all of them, like there's no, you know, there's no Alan Simpson left. There's no Richard Luger left. There's no Howard Baker in the Senate. There's obviously no uh, Lincoln Chafee. There's no Jim Jeffords. There are no moderate Republicans, none. Can't you just ask these guys at your next poker game if they can come back? <laughs> totally, all these boys. <laughs> yeah, so man, it's 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 over, and I don't, and 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 yet we uh, still pretend that it's fairly normal. There, look, man, we you get man, you talk about ten seats or eight seats or whatever we can get, man. The Republicans are unbelievably confident. You know, Josh Hawley, and I don't know that he's wrong. I mean, he thinks that literally you'll see some people who are pro-choice leave states that where abortion is banned um, and they'll come to states where it's legal and all the other things that go with that gun control generally right not always but generally um, and uh, and then you know and we know that those you know in, in the senate you know wyoming gets as many senators as california and that's not going to change well that's, so, yeah, that's the wildest thing ever so right so we're going to continue to have this moment where you know whatever the numbers are 48 senators represent you know, twenty-six percent of the country, whatever the numbers are, the staggering warped numbers, and where Democrats, even in the midterm elections, are likely to get more votes in the Senate than Republicans and lose seats. I mean, it's madness. It is freaking madness, and it's not democracy. And then we'll get into these arguments about the Electoral College. I mean, the Electoral College is the same person should defend the Electoral College. It doesn't make any sense. It's made up. It's made up. Right. It's like if all of a sudden the NBA decided to what we're going to do is we're going to play four uh, different quarters and we're going to count them all equally. Right. No, we would play one game. Every the points matter the same. Not one quarter you score. them. It's a terrible analogy. But I'm thinking a lot about the NBA draft and free agency starts. Soon. <laughs> uh, but so, they do have like, divisions. They do. Have, they do have that's right. divisions. Do you can be in a weak division or a strong division. It's not the top. It's not the top 10 teams making the playoffs. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, um, that's true. That's true. Although in the NBA, it's close. But yeah, you're right. No, no. It's a, but it's madness that I, I mean, everyone who's voted has figured out. Well, obviously, my vote counts as much as your vote, and that's how that's fair. Well, I'll <laughs> tell you the I'll tell you the additional madness. You don't need to uh, reapportion. I mean, of course, it's absurd. The Senate is set up with the, as you've just suggested. It's you know based on acreage as opposed to you know uh, uh, population. But. Uh, you don't. I'm sorry. This is now the edible kicking in. Now I just lost my thought, but I, uh, <laughs> I I'll, I'll swing back around to it. Glebe, take it. Well, so well, I wanted to say is I would like to tie in all this political talk into my Sean Penn story, if I sure, may. sure. Okay. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, one of us, one of us is going to get to Sean Penn in a second. So. Oh, wait a minute. It. Before you do, Washington D.C., Puerto Rico. These are. This is insanity. That would swing the Senate to the Democrats. All right. Washington D.C. and Puerto Rico. These are. It's insane that they aren't represented. That's what I, I was simply going to say. I mean, true. But you have you have jobbed, you know, large population centers out of that 
is uh, uh, again, it's just further evidence that it's not a democracy. And, now, ben and we should, and, and real quick, and when, when, when we're, and when the response to that of people is, you just want those seats because they're democratic seats. I want to say that's right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, that's right. That's yeah. I mean, those people should be represented, but mostly, I want the seats, right? Because you this guys is true. Have, yeah. Yeah. Same reason true. if Texas wants to secede, go for it, dude. Oh, I'll take a, that, that's I two fewer it. seats I have to worry about. Right. Oh, that would be really nice. That would be really nice. The 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 tie-in to Sean Penn is this, is that as you've just seen us have a 30 minute plus political discussion, I hope people at the very least realize or know by now, you know, I mean I ran for office like Mark mentioned at the top of the first show. I know politics pretty well. And so that sets the stage for this Sean Penn story in a way that makes it extra embarrassing is Sean Penn is a very intimidating man. He doesn't smile, he's very, very intense. His grimace is his natural posture. He has resting bitch face every moment of his life. And I've messed with presidents, I've messed with Congress people, world leaders, I don't get nervous. I was at a party once and Sean Penn was there when he was dating Charlize Theron and he's oh. crossing the room and they looked like a million dollars each. and or or a billion, and they're approaching, they're about to shake hands, Sean Penn's about to shake hands with Jason Bateman. I literally, not sober, drunk off my bones, step into the middle of it, cut off the handshake, just to try to make conversation with Sean Penn. And I was so nervous by his glare, literally all I could muster to come out of my thought was the classic ignoramus statement of, man, it's it's crazy what's going out there, huh? <laughs> And he goes, he goes, yeah, yeah. I go, oh, man, it's just someone's got to do something. <laughs> and he will, like, at least you, yep. At least you, at least Ben, you offered a solution, right? <laughs> does indeed, have to do something. Uh, but also, it's great. I hope you said it just the way you said it was that it's crazy what's going on, what's going out there, right? <laughs> like not, like not on there, out there. Right. Yeah, not on out. It was just everything. A little probably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Crazy what's going out. Oh, that's just too uh, good. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and he, uh, that, uh, was he Charlie Theron, Charlie Theron to me is, uh, you know, she's, uh, uh, stunningly beautiful, insanely talented. I mean, remarkable in her performances. And the fact that she ended up with Sean Penn just, uh, uh, it, it just solidified him as this, you know, uh, Himself have, having some charismatic dynamic, uh, and as you say, sort of the mysterious, uh, you know, bad boy but good boy dynamic. You know, I thought you were about to introduce her. That was such a compliment. Like she was here, incredibly dynamic, stunning, yeah. beautiful, and talented. Please welcome my good friend Charlize Theron. Everybody. Yes, yeah, God, I, would, way, I, I only nice, wish. Uh, nice pronunciation on uh, Charlize. That was on John Theron, really. That's well, John I always Theron. couldn't. Uh, oh. I, 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 uh, you both, you both got it. It's great. Correct. That's it. Uh, ben, I don't need a guy from TCM to tell me I got it. Well, right. I miss. I, 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 I mean, I, I'm not saying. I'm. I, I guess I did sort of tout that was a little TCM uh, show off there, even though you guys were the ones who said it. But I said it wrong, and in having to introduce her uh, in a movie, we we confirmed it. Like so, that's what it is. I, I had it. I've been saying it wrong yeah. like every other person in the world. I, I, I've time. known it, and I, because I've always held her in insanely high esteem. A mad crush for many, many years. I've always yeah, known how to say. Uh, as I've, to uh, and by the way, uh, met her John four P times. She never remembers me. She's very okay. nice. <laughs> Once I remind her who I am, but she never remembers my face. I mean, the great uh, thing about meeting her four times and her never remembering you is that you have a fresh start each time. 
you know, to try to get, uh, you know, ingratiate yourself. Yeah, it's I kind of the Groundhog Day of meeting women. Uh, Charlotte, uh, real quick, uh, 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 five dollars to the winner next time I see either of you, which is uh, uh, I should hope that Ben Glebe wins because I will see Mark soon. <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, um, the, uh, although Ben, I would love to hang out. It would be great. Um, uh, South so, Africa. Uh, uh, you just got uh, Mark Thompson's spot on my next I year's birthday to, party. I want you to uh, lock in an answer. How old is Charlize Theron? Don't wait for the other guy. What is it, Ben Glebe? Mark, hold your answer. 46. Mark? That, that's exactly the answer I was going to uh, guess. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll go uh, 47 just for the hell of it. Well, I'm going to give it to both of you because she's 46. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, gonna, that's, that's really outstanding. You're going to give it and to both will, of us, meaning we each get five bucks or neither of us gets five bucks? <laughs> <laughs> no, you, I, I, said, I'm gonna I like a man who's about the money. <laughs> I'm going to give Ben five dollars. Ben, you give Mark five dollars. You give me five dollars. <laughs> I'm giving Mark two fifty. I'm giving Mark um, two fifty. I'm giving you two fifty back. So you you only lose two fifty, and I make out at zero. Yeah. That's oh. Um, but she will turn a uh, uh, forty-seven uh, uh, this summer. In August, wow! I would have, uh, I might have also guessed forty-six. <laughs> that, that's it's, it. Was, seems it seems somehow obvious that she's forty. Yeah, it does seem uh, obvious, mostly <laughs> just based on my Charlize Theron chronological age calendar I have on my wall here. <laughs> yeah. um, but by the way, she won the Oscar, uh, Ben Mankiewicz, for what movie? For um, the uh, I know the uh, answer. Where she played Eileen Wernos monster. I mean, I got the Fun. character. Come on, that's worth. Uh, that was pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, monster. Uh, she, uh, uh, but also, she, it's not that she looks forty-seven. It's just that we've sort of known that she was a grown-up for a very long time. Right. Even though she's since we're doing there. trivia, I'll give you an idiot test, non-trivia. Whoever can answer first will get five dollars from me next time I see you. I hope it's neither of you, and I fall into an abyss and never have to pay this debt. When you're in a running race. What place are you in when you pass the second place person? Uh, when you pass first place. the second, second first place. place. Mark, you are incorrect. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're in second There's place. Two of you're in second place. You're the new second place. You didn't pass the no, first place person. Yeah. Everybody um, gets so that wrong. Don't feel bad. That was strong. That's a strong a one. Question, this is a question for Mark, but it is about Ben's knowledge of Charlize Theron. Mm. Um, so, uh, uh, will Ben Glebe know the name of, I don't even guess they were married, but on Wikipedia, the only other person named as a partner to Charlize Theron other than Sean Penn? Will Ben Glebe know and be able to identify that person? I'm going to say no. No. Uh, lock it in as a no. Ben Glebe. Who is the other person, according to Wikipedia, who Charlize Theron has been involved with? Wasn't it a director? It was a filmmaker. It was a f French filmmaker, a foreign filmmaker. It was uh, Mr. Oh, Bean. This is, this no, is so good. I am tempted to say that Mark, you owe Ben $5. Boy, he didn't um, come up with a name. Yeah, but yeah, I know who but, it is, right? But he's a foreign. He's Irish. He's an Irish director named Stuart Townsend. Is a very strong answer. Thank because you. It's impossible to get Stuart Townsend. 
Yeah, no one can get that. No one can get Stuart Townsend. I think that was the best he can do. So Mark um, owes me five and you owe me five. I, I've made 10 extra dollars today. Yeah. I'm very excited all about right, that. All right, I'll give it to him. I, I, <laughs> so, 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 but I'm going to give it back. Mark, tell me a celebrity that you know a lot about. Um, that's Quickly. a, that's a, uh, Carl uh, Gottlieb. What? Carl Gottlieb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll go with Carl Gottlieb. Sure. Okay. All right, sure. Carl Gottlieb. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So, that. what slogan would the be jerk. the uh, film the jerk. motto the jerk. for and Jaws. if you combine Jaws and the Jerk, we're going to need a bigger chode? What? <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, will. Um, Okay, will Mark know where Carl Gottlieb went to uh, college? E no, he will not. You know, he will not. Mark, where did Carl Gottlieb go to college? Uh, he certainly uh, mentioned it. I'm going to give you a hint. He's a sports fan. It's probably come up at one time or another. Oh, my God. This is just awful. Uh I'm sure I'm, he has mentioned it. There is a whole missing if you get this wrong in your effusive introduction to Carl <laughs> next time we're at a dinner party together. Uh, I'm gonna say um well, I think the answer is no, he doesn't know. That's I don't clear. Know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what was it? He's, he's an orange man. Syracuse, Carl got Oh, me. I should have known that because oh, it's you were not far say from Trump University after saying he's an orange man. <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, that's right. So let me tell you quickly about, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, this question is for Mark Thompson. Mark hmm. Thompson, if you are out on a date and Sean Penn enters the picture, how does he try to steal your woman? Thank you. I was at, uh, uh, I was on a date with this woman who I was really, but I mean really dying to uh, have a relationship with. And uh, what do you mean by relationship, Mark? I mean, I was hoping that this date would lead to other dates, and we would have, uh, you know, a nice, uh, you know, time to have time together. I'm not, I'm not, not. I wasn't necessarily, but I, I was really hoping for the best in this uh, connection. I got you. Well, I just got you. judging by the desperation in your voice, even now, <laughs> it did not go on very much further past this date. No, no, it did not. And uh, uh, so she was a stunningly beautiful woman, and I'm sitting there uh, having dinner, at, and I had to uh, use the restroom. I get up, I use the restroom, and. Um, uh, but the restroom has a wait, okay? So I'm there and I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. It was one of those single restrooms and some of those, uh, you know, the hoity-toity places, which is the one, whatever. So I go in uh, and I use the restroom and when I come back, but remember there has been that delay for me waiting to get into the restroom. Uh, she has a, what looks to be a, a napkin with a map drawn on it. <laughs> and I said, "What? What's that?" She what's said, "Oh, on? well, he came over, and she points, and it's Sean Penn. Uh, he's like, uh, what era? Uh, what era, Sean Penn? Oh, a uh, great question. Um, Probably the era the dinner was happening in. Give me the, uh, <laughs> yeah. give me, give me my choices in my, uh, for Sean Penn eras. Um, well, I mean, we're not talking, obviously, given your current situation, this would be a terrible story to tell. This wasn't three weeks ago. <laughs> <right>? yeah. It um, was pre, it was pre, uh, I am Sam or whatever, or pre, I am, it was right, pre. So we're talking 20 years ago. Right, like exactly. But he's a big, he's a very big star. That's so, right. Yeah, uh, by the way, I believe at the time he was still involved, if he's not still married to Robin Wright, but I might, I might be, you know. Sure. Uh, because I think that that was the other part of it that I thought 
this is kind of weird because I thought he's, but he might have been out of that relationship, the marriage at that point. Anyway, uh, she points and uh, there he is. And she said he uh, uh, invited me over to uh, to his house. Uh, hmm. And this is a map to his house. A and map. I said, drew a map. Yeah. Um, and so uh, what did you do after you dropped her off? <laughs> I I took that map. <laughs> yeah. Was it accurate? Yeah. She said, right. She said, would you mind? Uh, right. Can you read this map and drop me off to, her, to scale? Yeah. You should have both gone. Yeah, that would have been. <laughs> hey, you invited us over? Hi, Sean. Hey, Sean, I just want to tell you, it's crazy what's going on out there. <laughs> I mean, somebody's really got to do something. <laughs> I went. Uh, I can't see the screen. It doesn't appear anybody's on screen, but I'm being. You're telling me that I'm on screen right now. You're on screen. Okay. All right. So I. Um, Wait. Did so did I, did you go there? Did did she go there? Did they? What happened? Uh, I, I'll tell you one thing. I didn't do was take the map or anything. So she might have gone there later, but I don't think so. Wow. But I, I don't know. Maybe she did. It was not. She didn't seem like as as though she was going to. So. Did he write his address on it and give her directions, or did he just uh, draw the map? I'm pretty Take sure on. that he, there was an address on it. I, I, it's huh. been a while, but uh, I'm pretty sure there was an address or a phone number or something. I'm pretty sure there's an address. Yeah, it was. You it never was a pretty. You, it was. What? You you never saw him talking to her like the whole no. thing happened. No, I didn't. You were, no, I didn't. And you never no, saw her after this night either. I uh, I saw her after that night, but I never saw her in a romantic way. No, it's true. Thank you for uh, mentioning that. I'm yeah. so sorry. I'm yeah. so sorry. Thank um, you. So I, Still I, hurts. I, I went to a, I was on a date with a, um, <clears throat> uh, with a lovely uh, woman, uh, very, uh, she was attractive and uh, a winner in every sense. Um, and uh, uh, we, I was trying to, she was younger and I was trying to impress her. I mean, I wasn't terribly, uh, but I mean, she was probably like, you know, 23 and I was 35, right? So I'm trying to, you know, I don't know, whatever you try and do when you're that age, right? <laughs> um, and, uh, and and I went to I, I just remember it was at a place that I would never go to, in general. It was we went to a a club to get a drink. I barely drank, but I thought well, I got to figure out to get a drink. And we went to a drink, and there was a band playing at this club. Um, and that band had a I believe keyboard player, maybe drums, a key keyboard, and the keyboard player was Jeff Goldblum, right? Wow, the, uh, the actor. He's he pretty was, good, I think. Yes, yeah, so he's a very talented. You yes, know, they were into yeah. it. They were rocking. He was clearly a big part of it. It was fun. He wasn't even taking like uh, he wasn't showing off. He was just the guy playing keyboards, right? But it's, and this had to be. I lived in LA, so this had to be you know after two thousand one. So it's probably two thousand two, two thousand three, and and it's Jeff Goldblum, right? I mean, this is a it's a big uh, it's a big Hollywood star, and he's also big, like he's a broad shouldered six foot four man, right? He is a he's not like every other actor. Who is you know five five one twenty three, right? <laughs> like wow. Uh, and uh, so Jeff, so she, we both are looking at him like, hey man, it's Jeff Goldblum. He kind of waves at us and he finishes the set and he gets up and he walks over. He's like, hey, how you guys doing? Right? Talking to both of us. Like, oh, yeah, I'm Ben. You know, and, uh, maybe I'm at TCI. I don't know. Like you know, and he's oh, it's great. And he's like, what's your name? And I'll make it up. She goes, oh, my name's you know uh, Samantha, right? And uh, is it great? And then if she's like, imagine I'm me and, and Jeff Goldblum's here and I'm going to then become Jeff. And, and he just does this <laughs> and turns his back to me, his huge broad shouldered <laughs> back. 
and starts talking to her. And he towers over her. She's like five three, and I'm like right here behind him. Uh, it was great. It was just such a I'm an actor and I'm gonna make this happen. Right, I'm a star and you're not. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, she thought it was very funny, and she talked to him for a bit. But uh, she did uh, depart the uh, she did depart the club with me. I don't know whether oh, that's he gave nice. her his number or anything. Uh, you know, he could have. <laughs> he really couldn't see around him. I was so amused <laughs> that, he, that he was this confident and just wow. Stepped. I was like, uh, all right, okay, sure, sure, go ahead. You have at it. Wow. I, uh, we we have to wrap up. Uh, I'm told because we're over. But I will tell you that that exact same thing happened with somebody who wasn't as tall as Jeff Goldblum, but he's one of the Baldwin brothers, and it happened to me at a bar in Los Angeles. Same effing thing. That must be like an I'm an actor and a star, and you're not oh, yeah. moved. You know what I mean? Or they Robin just Thicke did it to me once. Robin Thicke did it to me. I was oh. hitting on a, a a very well known actress, and he I guess assumed because he's a well known singer, he gets precedence over. Me and just literally blocked me out when she went to the restroom. Said, "Why don't you hit on that girl instead?" Okay, <laughs> what do you mean why? Because this is fair game. What are you talking about? That's but, great. Yeah, I love that you called him out on it. Yes, I like yes. I like the idea in a movie. I like to see, I like this scene done in a movie, but with a tiny actor, where the guy <laughs> he's trying to block out is actually taller. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Also, uh, I love, and this speaks for sure to all of our just. I think kindness and and wanting to respect people, respect the time we live in, respect the moment, and try to evolve with the time. So it's all very noble, but it's very funny to me when you hear any of us describing anything that involves a woman or somebody we're attracted to these days. The amount of extra phrases we put in there to not offend anybody. We go, listen, this was a room full of very attractive women and men. There were men <laughs> and, and 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 trans people that were very attractive. And listen, she was young, not that young. She was nice, intellectual, <laughs> and stunning. Super stunning smart. For her brain. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. A big future. Yeah. Uh, check out Ben Glebe at uh, what is it? What's the website, Ben? Uh, NowhereComedyClub.com, but you can just go to my personal website and get tickets to all my upcoming shows, BenGlebe.com, or follow me at Ben Glebe on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook. Uh, new stand-up clip every day, or or YouTube slash Beeglebe for my channel there with longer crowd work videos and my new second my second hour special ever will be dropping in the next month and a half probably on my YouTube and I'm very proud of it. So I've never had this much energy, Ben Mankiewicz. The kind of energy that Ben Glebe has what he to no. do what he's just described insane, <laughs> so impressive. A, Thank it, you. Is, it is very impressive. If you'd like to see me. Uh, uh, you should come, uh, go to the, uh, the Poconos uh, region of the United States and just yell my name <laughs> as loud as you can. And I'm given to understand I will find you and we will go to a casino together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm on KGO radio every day and uh, here on the Turks occasionally. Uh, always love my TYT uh, kids and this has been a lot of fun. And, and if you want to meet Mark Thompson in person, I've just drawn him a map to a great therapist <laughs> that will help him get through the trauma of his past. It's right around the corner. The wounds are real. That's all I have to say. Thanks, everybody. Bye bye. Thanks, thanks, Asher. Bye. Thanks, everybody.